Well, Dad's been preaching the last three weeks. How many's enjoyed that? Amen. It's been really, really good. Really, really good on faith and having faith and having that vision. And uh, we've got to have a vision. We've got to have a vision. It helps us to keep the faith, build the faith, and keeps us going. Well, this morning, we're going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about why we need each other. Before we dive right in, let's pray just one more time. Father, we just thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your Word. Father, I thank You for an intense just focus on You. I thank You for what You're doing. You're doing here in the connection as You bring us closer to one another and closer to You. And Lord, we just give You glory and honor. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 So we need each other. We need each other. We've got three different messages that we're going to talk about with this. And this morning is just going to kind of lay the groundwork for that, uh, for, for the main thing we're going to be talking about. So you've got to come next week to hear the main thing as well. And you've got to come the week after that to hear the wrap-up on it. Uh, but this morning, we're going to lay a little bit of foundation. A lot of things you've heard before, a lot of things maybe you haven't heard before. Maybe some things you agree with, maybe some things you don't agree with. And what I want to ask is just you open up your minds and your hearts to it and see what the Lord speaks to you personally about this message here and what kind of actions that you need to take or should take based on what I present here this morning on why we need each other, why we need to do life together, and why is that? Well, for one, you know, going through life, life is tough. We've got circumstances, we've got things that we go through, and it can be difficult doing life on our own. It's kind of like trying to brush your teeth with no hands. It's like trying to take your feet and brush your teeth with your feet. You know, it's kind of, it's difficult. It, it can really, really be hard. You know, and, and especially when you're going through something really tough, and you need some answers, you need some advice, you need to run some things off somebody, you need somebody to agree with you on prayer on it, you need somebody to show you a scripture or just give you that word because you're so worried and you're so upset or maybe you're so stressed on this circumstances that you can't even think straight. So you've got to call your brother or your sister in the Lord and you've got to get a hold of them and say, hey, I need some help. So life can be real hard. Another reason why we need each other is just simply so we don't go insane. We don't go crazy. Literally, if you remember, uh, months and months ago we talked about the rules of three of survival our men. We went on a camping trip and we had these rules of three. Like in three minutes uh, without air, you're goner. You know, you, you, in three day, after three days of not having water, in all likelihood, you're going to die. After, you know, three months with, or three weeks, I think it is, with no food, you're, you're going to die. You know, three, but in three months of isolation, if you're isolated, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you have no contact with anybody, after three months, you literally start to go crazy, you start to lose your mind after three months of isolation with nobody around. So God literally designed us for relationship, for contact with one another. Not just contact with Him, but contact with one another. Because after three months, we can start to lose our mind if we are totally 100% isolated. Now thank God that we're not and that we, uh, we're, we're communicating with others all the time. Because I don't see a bunch of crazy folk, I don't think. I don't think you're crazy, right? Okay, I, I'm not crazy. Uh, well, maybe a little, but uh, you're not crazy. I'm not crazy. We know 
that we, because of we have that contact with one another, we're not going to go crazy because of this isolation. How many's ever seen that movie with Tom Hanks in it where he's stranded on the island? What, what is the name of that one? Cast Away. How many's ever seen that before? You know, if you remember in, in that movie, he had, you know, if you've seen it, and if you haven't seen it, I, you should check this movie out. It's a good movie. But, you know, who did he talk to in that movie all the time? No, it wasn't just the volleyball. This was Wilson. The volleyball had a name, and it was Wilson because it was a Wilson volleyball, right? But it actually, it just it wasn't a brand name anymore. That was actually his name was Wilson, and so he needed somebody to talk to. And what happened when Wilson went bye bye? Oh, I mean, he was just distraught. He was totally upset. And what happens when we lose someone we care about? We're distraught. We get upset. Or we, or we know that someone's close to us is going to move away and they're going to you know, move to another state or move to you know, the other side of the world or something like that. We, you know, we, we, we get upset. We get emotional. We may get emotional about it because we really like that person and they move away. So the Bible really supports this idea that we need each other as well. In Galatians 3.28, it says, You are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. And this oneness is being unified, uh, you know, despite having two or more parts. You know, there's more of us, there's a lot of us. You know, oneness is us coming together, being one. And that's what he was talking about. And I want to read a passage you've probably heard before in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. We're going to read several verses through here about the body. And uh, Paul wrote this here, and, it, and he was talking about spiritual gifts, really, in the, early on in the chapter. And he was also you know, still referencing spiritual gifts. But there's something else that we can grasp and we can get from this passage as well. So let's look at, uh, in relation to our topic, in verse 12 it says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body... Though there are many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not the hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer than the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which, which deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas... Our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, 
so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And I want to look at verse 25 one more time. So that there be, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And this word care simply means to look out for. To look out for. And if one member suffers, if one member suffers, one member, just one, not a bunch, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Isn't that interesting in this passage, you know, when Paul is talking about the body of Christ and he's talking about how that we're all one, but even though we're mem- many members. And just like, and he's using the body as this example about the foot and the eye and the hand and the arm, and they're all just, uh, just as important as the other. You know, if, if I came up to you and said, could we just uh, cut your foot off? You know, he heard it playing basketball, and so it's hurt. He said, well, let, let's, you don't need that foot. Let's just cut it off. What would you say to that? Heck no. Heck no. There's no way. No way. He's not going to do without that foot. You know, and if I, if I said to you, you know, you don't need that eye. No big deal. Let's just take that eye. What do you think she would say? Huh? There's no way. Because we need every part of our body. And just like in the body, you know, in the same sense, in the body of Christ, we need each other. We can't say, you know, to the hand, you know, I have no need of you, like the Scripture was saying. And it says that even though we're one member, we're many members, we are to have care. In other words, we're to look out for one another. And that was the biggest thing I wanted to point out out of this passage here. You know, I know there's a lot of verses there, but we've got to have care one for another. We need each other. Without it, one of the members is going to suffer. And it's like this, if you're one of these guys and you exercise and you work out and you're really into that, and oh man, I envy you that you've got the drive to do that because I do not, I am lazy. I, I have to work on that. But you know that when you work out and you're doing one of these, that stretching is extremely important. How many know what I'm talking about? You have got to stretch. How many runners do we have in here? You run. Then raise your hand good and high. Now see, my hamstring was tightening up sitting on there. Yesterday we were at a, I, I did a baseball practice with my son Christopher and I, I mean, you know, we did a lot of activity and everything and started tightening up a little bit because I forgot to stretch. And then this morning, you know, it's still a little tight and I was sitting in the same position on the drum set. I stood up and went, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so I went over there around the corner and stretched that puppy out real good because I didn't want to be up here and all of a sudden, oh, hang on a minute. Right? It's real important. You've got to stretch. And you can't forget one muscle, especially one that you're going to work out. If you're going to do an upper body workout, you better, you better stretch this stuff. I remember the first time I did flies. And I'm doing flies, and I'm going, I'm like, man, this ain't bad. This is hard. You know, and I'm just going on and on and on. And I didn't stretch these things. I walked around the next day. I was like, oh, 
Oh, oh, because every arm movement, man, it just it hurts so bad, right? And they're all swollen, those pecs and everything. You know, I'm just, I'm hurting. You got to stretch. You got to stretch it all out. And with your legs, you got to stretch out. Every one of those muscles is extremely important. And if you're one that you, you say, I'm not important, you are important to the body. You are important. God's got a purpose for you, plan for you to fulfill here on the earth. And without you, that would not be accomplished. You are here for a reason. You're not here by accident. You're not a toe. You're not a pinky toe. You know, you're none of those things. You are just as important as anybody else in the body. But, you know, some of us, we feel like we're the fuzz in between the toes. You know, we got to get, we got to get past that, right? Toe jam. You know, we just, we got to get past that. To where, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we put that down. We cast down those thoughts. Cast that out. Because we're, the truth of the matter is, is we're not toe jam. You know, we're not that fuzz. You know, we're more than that. God's made us better than that. When we look in the mirror, we need to be looking at ourselves and going, Thank God He made me just the way I am. Can I get an amen on that? Our expectations, and I wrote this statement down, I feel it's, uh, it's important. A lot of these things we went over with the teenagers at summer camps, and we'll pull some of this out from that. Our expectations about church should be tailored around the idea of family. When you start talking about oneness, and you start talking about the body and the members and how we need each other, you've got to talk about family. You've got to start... Uh, you got to look right there. And the Scripture's pretty clear on it. It's pretty evident. The evidence is there. And we're just going to go over a couple of Scriptures. But see, just like everyone needs a natural family, especially when you're young, when you're really young, you can't, you know, the, the youngins can't survive on their own. They need mom and dad. They need their older siblings. Uh, you know, you need, just like you need that natural family, you need a spiritual family as well. You need... A church body. In Romans 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the what? Children of God. So He's already, you know, we're, we are His children. He's our Heavenly Father. Right there, we, He has already established that family unit, that, fam, that idea of family. In verse 17, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And then in Hebrews 13, 1, it says, let brotherly love continue. And so we see these kind of phrases again. We're not going to keep going on uh, tons of the uh, scriptures with the proofs, but we know that we're the children of God. And so if He's my fa Heavenly Father, and He's your Heavenly Father, He's your Heavenly Father, He's your Heavenly Father, He's only, that means you're my brother in Christ, you're my brother in Christ, you're my sister in Christ, you're my sister in Christ. Do, do you see? We got, you know, if, if we're all, we're children of God, we are in the family of God. Amen. And, and you know, it's like a lot of times we, we know this, and we know this to be true, especially if you've been saved for a while. You've heard some teaching, you've heard some preaching, you, you've heard that you know that we're, we're in the family, and we've, we call it family, and, and you're like, well, I just, I just don't know about all that. And sometimes, you know, may, well, it just doesn't feel like a family, and it may not, and that's why we're talking about it. Because you know what? You may not feel like a family. And it's because we don't treat it like a family, like our natural family. And the thing is, is that it is a little bit different. And there's some things that are, are, are different. But there's so many things that are the same 
And God wants them to be the same. And He wants us to live life together, one with another, loving, letting that brotherly love, as it just said, we just read in Hebrews 13, letting that brotherly love continue. He said, that's never supposed to stop. You know, God's love for us never stops. And our love for one another should never stop just because we walk out those doors and we go our separate ways. Our love for one another should not stop. We should still be able to communicate with each other and, and, and go, you know, call up so-and-so and, and, you know, call up our friends or whoever it is and say, hey, I'm going through this. And, you know, and you may think, hey, they don't really want that call. So what? Call them anyways. <laughs> you know, the, you, they need to be called. You need to be called. You need the contact. We all need the contact. We need our each other. Each other. Now, you may be thinking, you know, as soon as you heard the idea of family, you were just like, No. Because, you know, my family, I know how my family is. My family just, well, we, do, we just, it's not so good. You know, my family life, it just, it just stunk. You know, growing up, family, and, and that may be so. And, and in your case, you're going to have to think about what your idea of what family's supposed to look like. How is it supposed to run? How, what, is it, what is it supposed to be like? And you plug that idea that you've got, and you plug that in to your spiritual family. What's your idea of the things that you were missing? What were some of those things growing up? You're like, man, you know, this was not good at home. This wasn't good at home growing up. I hated the way dad treated me this way and mom did this and did that. I didn't like the way my sister and brother did that. Well, we bring, we, we cast that aside about those don't likes and we, we know what we do like. We know what we do want. We know what we do need. And we bring that into the body. We bring that into our spiritual family, that idea of what a family is supposed to look like. Now, is our spiritual family going to be perfect? Oh, no. No. Just like we, our natural family has those flaws, our spiritual family is going to have those flaws. And I will challenge anybody. I will sit there. You will never convince me that there is going to be a perfect spiritual family out there. That is going to be 100% perfect. And, and it's just everybody's going to treat each other perfect with perfect love and kindness and no one's ever going to say anything rude. No one's ever going to judge somebody wrong. You know, there's, there, that there's this perfect church out there, family, you know, spiritual. It just doesn't exist. I, I mean, I'll tell you, it just does not exist. But our job, even though it's not perfect and even though things don't run as, as smooth as they can, our job is to try to make it run as smooth as we possibly can. To help and to show that love to all of our brothers and sisters as much as we can and, and the best that we know how. That's what we've got to do. Amen? Amen? I know some of you, you know, you're swallowing this. You're taking this in. The church is a spiritual family. It's a wonderful, wonderful family. It's full of rewards. In my experience, church, the good has far outweighed the bad when we're talking about church family. I've had many of you, I've had so many of you email or, or you know, express. I, I got a Facebook message one time, you know, for someone. It's just, uh, you know, and the words were like, I don't know how to thank you enough. You know, I, I don't know what I would do without my church family to be there for me. You know, I went through this and went through that. And you guys have always been there. And, and all, of, you know, my church family has just stepped up and been there for me. Where, where others would not have. So we need each other. And so, you know, and you may still be going, you know, why? Why do I need a spiritual family? Really, it's because being a lone ranger doesn't work. It's just Hollywood. But if you even think about it, the lone ranger even had Tonto, right? <laughs> even he had somebody 
you know, being a lone ranger and doing everything by yourself, it just doesn't work. I can't count the number of times growing up when I watched The Lone Ranger. Now, it was reruns for me, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm not that old. Um, you know, it was, it was reruns. But, it, you know, I'd watch those Lone Ranger. I can't count the number of times that Tonto saved the day. It wasn't the Lone I mean, he came in without Tonto. The Lone Ranger probably would have been shot like a hundred times, at least, you know, without Tonto. He had to have him. And so, you know, that's the thing. We need each other. We, I, and if I went around, we just passed the mic, and I said, you know, could you have made it without some help? You know, you, you would have said, no, no, no. Through that crisis, there's no way. You could look back, and you could see something you've gone through. And I would never would have made it. And, or, or it would have been a whole lot harder without my church family there for me. It would have been a whole lot harder. How many could just say, you know, that, yeah, that's me. There's just no way. You know, it's so much easier with my church family. And here's the thing is that we need a spiritual family, you know, to do that those life experiences and those circumstances and go through those things together. But we learn from one another as well. That's the thing. That's the benefit. And you know, in a family unit in a natural family, they're learning from each other all the time. We in our family I have four children. We are learning from each other all the time. And just like you, you learn from that natural family, you learn things from your, from your spiritual family. This is what true discipleship looks like, is when we're learning and teaching each other. Now see, you know, a lot of us, you, know, you heard that word discipleship, and we've all got different definitions of discipleship. What it looks like, what it's supposed to be, all these things. But true discipleship happens through strong Christian relationships. Why? Because we don't learn linear. We don't learn in this straight line, straight ahead, full bore. So it's not that the discipleship class that you may have attended at one point in time was bad or that discipleship book that you went through was good. I mean, you probably learned a lot. I know I did. I've gone through them. But it did not cover every life experience that you were going through. And so when you're going through one of those tough times, I don't care if you went through ten discipleship courses, there's just some things that aren't in those courses to teach you how to deal with certain things. It's just not there. There's just, you, can, you can do a discipleship class all day long, all week long, all month long, and then the next week tragedy hits and you need your brother. You need your sister in Christ. You need your family. I don't care what you know. It just doesn't matter. You need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. That is true discipleship. And it's because we learn as needed. We don't try to just cram it all in and get it all in. You know, in school, you know, they learn it's more, it's more linear. A lot of our schooling is linear. But there's a lot of it that's not. And as they go through school, and the reason why they just can't cram it all in in the first year or two, and why it takes so long is because it takes a while to learn all that stuff. You can't just cram it all in at once and just, oh, I know everything. You know, and you le they learn as they go. They learn as they need. And as you graduate from high school, depending on what you're going to do after high school, it depends. And learning never stops. You ever notice that? I mean, just learning doesn't. You know, you're always learning. And so learning never stops between each other either. Just like in the natural, in the spiritual, it works the same way. You know, my younger boys, Christopher and Aaron, you know, they learn a lot of life skills and they've learned most of their life skills from their mother and from me, their father. But you know, they've learned a lot from Joshua and from Sarah. 
you know, Joshua, just, you know, certain things that he's learned on how to clean things or build things. Or, you know, we were, I was teaching one of them how to tie their shoe and he even jumps in and he helps, you know, teaching them how to tie their shoe. Just, just different things. You know, all these things, you know, growing up teaching them things. And if you never, if you didn't teach the younger ones those pertinent life skills, they'd always have messy faces. You know, that's one of the things I always think, you know, I remember the first time I was trying to explain to Aaron how to eat pizza without wearing it. Uh, this, this was a challenge. Because, see, he would take this piece of pizza, and, you know, they're shaped triangle. But, you know, if you've got a pretty big piece, and he's got this whole thing, and he's going in, and he's, he's chomping, but he just goes right down the center. And, you know, the other corners that are made, you've got to eat those corners as you go along. Well, he just keeps going down the center and those corners are going right down the cheeks. And so as he pulls it away, there's red and orange all over his cheeks. And he's, he's one of these, you know, kids that just every time they sit, he sits down to eat, he acts like he hasn't eaten in a week. You know, so he's just, he's just like ravenous hunger, you know, here. And he's just, it doesn't matter. He could have eaten two hours before. He eats the same way. It's just... Uh, you know, double fist, whatever, it's just, it's going down. And half of it gets in, and the other half's on his face, and there's even some on his clothes. I mean, it's all over the place. And so I'm trying to teach him. I said, okay, now take a bite. Okay, take one more bite. Now stop. Wait, wait, wait. See that corner? Rotate. Rotate. Say rotate, son. Rotate. You know, so he rotate to get, to get the corners. And so we ate the next piece of pizza with me right there. Okay, great. Okay, you know what you're doing? Oh, good, good. All right. He wants another piece. He gets another piece. I'm sorry. I'm having a conversation with Joshua. We're sitting there. I look over to the other side. There's the marks again. It's all over his face. What happened? What? 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 I just showed you how to eat it. What do you mean? So what is it that you have to do? You have to remind him again. You've got to show him again. And show him again. And show him again. And what do we do here when we read a scripture and we put scriptures and it's the same ones on the screen? We've got to do it again and do it again. And what do we do when we have that friend that just doesn't get it? We keep reminding them, right? We've got to remind them again and again and again. We've got to help each other. We're learning. We're learning. And sometimes it can take ten times, you know, till your friend gets it or till you get it, till I get it. It can take ten times. We learn through our circumstances. We learn through our relationships, we learn as needed. We don't learn in this super straight line, straight right ahead. Same in the family of God, just like we learn in our natural family. They learn, you know, we learn uh, in our family, we, you know, having all these uh, children, you know, these four children, they, they're learning from each other. And they're all chasing Joshua, because he's the oldest. And they're all looking up to him, and he's teaching them so much, so much. They learn from us, but so we learn from each other. We learn from our Heavenly Father, but we also learn from our brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Now, society doesn't go this way. Society doesn't think this way. In many, much of society. Now, some do, but a lot of society is very, very independent. So why is so much of society independent? Basically, it's because bad philosophy crept into our culture through the ideas of philosophers who are not measuring those ideas against the Bible. You can look back in history, and it started way, way, way long time ago. And what crept in, uh, 
you know, more recent history being the 17th and 18th century through the Age of Enlightenment. That's where a lot of people started swallowing a lot of the ideas of philosophers. And a lot of this stuff, look, a lot of the stuff that they were spitting out was pretty good. It really was. It's just they got off base. And they, you know, they cut God out. I want to read this from my notes about the Age of Enlightenment that, the, that was happening in the 17th and 18th century. The Age of Enlightenment was a cultural move it, movement of intellectuals in the 17th and 18th centuries, which began first in Europe and later in the American colonies. Its purpose was to reform society using reason, challenge ideas grounded in tradition and faith, and advance knowledge through the scientific method. It promoted scientific thought, skepticism, and intellectual interchange, and opposed superstition, intolerance, and some abuses of power by the church and the state. The ideas of the Age of Enlightenment have had a major impact on the culture, politics, and governments of the Western world. And we still see this today. And many of the philosophers were anti-government, anti-traditional religion, and with good reason. A lot of it was with good reason, and a lot of the ideas were really good. Uh, But because some of these guys, they just cut God totally out, their ideas uh, uh, of true success really fell short. And if you remember in the last series that I was preaching about the confidence triangle, that we're to have confidence number one in God, number two ourselves, and number three others. And you've got to have a balance. You've got to have the full triangle for true success, having confidence in those. And some of these guys would cut two of them out or cut one out. You can't cut one out. You can't cut two out. And least of all, you can't cut God out. You just can't do it. And these guys would cut God out and stress the individual stress themselves and talk about themselves which led to individualism. I want to read this real quick before we go about individualism. It's the moral stance, political philosophy, ideology, or social outlook that emphasizes the moral worth of the individual. Individualists promote the exercise of one's goals and desires and so value independence and self-reliance that the individual should achieve precedence over the state or social group. So you could put the church in a social group. You could put it there. But the individual is precedence over the whole. But see, you can already just see, just saying that statement, how it's contrary to the Word of God and what we read in in, uh, Corinthians 12, that there's no member more important than the other. But see here, and and, and we're all one and we're all equally important, but here it's the individual takes precedence over the whole. And to a degree, when you, especially when you're talking in the political realm, it's true. Because the extreme, when you go the extreme opposite of individualism, when you, when you go way far over, you know, it's communism. And so we know that that's bad. You know, an individualism way over here, and we got communism way over there. What we need is, in the, is something more closer to the middle, what God's saying. We need commonality. Commonality is you know, just simply being common to more than one individual. Possession of common features or attributes. We're all in this room because we have something common in one another. The, the belief in God the Father and that His Son raised from the dead and He died for our sins. Amen? Amen. That's what we have common. That's what we're here. That's the main thing we have common. Now we have many other things that are in common. Not all of us are going to be... It's not all going to be the same. 
So the individual is important, but the whole is important as well. And when you cut one of those out, politically you get all messed up in different areas and, and stuff, and then socially you get all messed up in the, different, in the ways you think, in the way you act. And if you give in to individualism and just stress that and cut God out, you end up starting to cut other people out. You step back, you separate from other people. Individual is way up here. I can do it. I'm an I'm a rock. I'm a rock. I'm an island. That philosophy doesn't fly. It doesn't float. It doesn't work. By our experience and through God's word, we can see that, you know, and just even really common sense that that would cry false. That is, that is just, uh, just a total, it's, it's an insidious idea that this whole thing of I'm a rock, I'm an island. One of the guys, really quick before we wrap up, one of the guys who helped kick this age of enlightenment off was Rene Descartes. He was one who was a philosopher, mathematician. You may have heard of him. You may know some of his stuff, you know, because of the math. But he said this one phrase. It was real uh, profound, and it was something that just really began to shape it. This, this whole age of enlightenment. Everything was built on it. He said, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. And in the early 1600s, he penned this phrase, and it helped define a worldview for future generations. And we still feel the effects of this today. And when this is stressed above all, and you're cutting God out, it doesn't work. I want to read this here as well about this phrase. This proposition became a fundamental element of Western philosophy as it was perceived to form a foundation for all knowledge. It was something that was foundational. And then you have all these different guys. And I want to challenge you. You know, you just, a little extra on the side. Yes, get in God's Word. Go type in this, you know, Age of Enlightenment. Go look, you know, Wikipedia's got a whole thing on it. You can read about some of the different guys. And take a look. You can see, and it's so interesting to see, how some of these things, and how we think in society, and how those things that were said hundreds of years ago are still affecting us today. Real interesting stuff. We could be here all day talking about it. But can we all stand? I want to leave you with one last scripture. One last scripture I believe that sums up this argument that I've been trying to make here this morning on how that we need each other. And when we get off and we cut God out, you know, we can see how in other countries how it hasn't worked out politically. It doesn't work out socially either. And when we get to an extreme and we get away from that confidence triangle and we don't stress God and we don't have Him number one, we don't, you know, we cut others out and we don't have that confidence in others. We get off course when we don't have that, that person that we can call on the phone and run things by. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And see, you can see, a friend loves at all times, but a brother, it goes even further than that. A brother's there for you during adverse times, during adversity. A brother's there for you through thick and thin. That love, it just, it go, it's deeper. It's deeper than just an acquaintance. It's much deeper than that. And this is something that we need in the body of Christ. We need more of. The Scripture says that those who don't know Christ, they will know us by our love for one another. That's how other people will know us. And if we have that love, 
and that strong love for one another, going through life together, doing these things together, and having that oneness, having that togetherness. Others will see that. Why? Because you won't help but talk about it. You won't help but say something about it. I, you know, I, don't, I haven't ran into too many people that don't talk about their family that, that actually love their family and actually have had a good family experience. Those that don't have a good family experience, they don't talk about it much. So when you have a good family experience, you're talking about it. And if we have a good family experience here in this body, and we have a good relationships one with another, we'll talk about it. Because you talk about your family. Amen? Mm, has this been good? Next week. Got to be here next week. Let's pray. Let's go to the Heavenly Father in prayer. Uh, we, we can see where we need to step up in this area. How we need to reach out to one another. Forming those relationships. We're going to be starting small groups here in the fall. I want to challenge you. Sign up for one. That's another way that you can get together with other believers. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. But let's pray. Father, right now, we just thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your Word. I thank You for what You're doing, what You're showing us. Lord, these are things that we know. They're truths that are already in Your Word. But Lord, I thank You that, we, that as we've heard these here this morning, and, and this thing of, the, uh, of individualism, that it would just go out from us. Lord, that we, you know, this whole idea that we're a rock, we're an island, that we can do it all by ourselves. You know, Lord, we just could cast that out right now in the name of Jesus. Just cast that down. If that's something that just been a, one of your belief systems. Just cast that down right now. And you've seen here this morning that that's a lie and that's, that's, that's from the, the enemy. That's just darkness. Let's just cast that down right now. If that's you, you just put that aside. And Lord, we just repent for having that false idea that didn't line up with your word. And Father God, we line up our beliefs. We line up our philosophy with your word that we would have confidence in you in ourselves and in others, Lord, that we would not shove aside our brothers. We wouldn't shove aside our sisters in Christ. Father, I just thank you that love would abound. Love would abound in the connection. Love would abound in this family of God, in this group. Lord, that love would go beyond where it's been before so that others would see and come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? God's good. Amen. Amen.